0: Hi, I'm Harry. Hi, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film.
1: Welcome back to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies. And we're now back in the subgenre of films which are inspired by video games. And this film is called, well, is it just Max Cloud or is it the intergalactic adventures of Max Cloud?
0: I think there might be a little difference between the UK and US titles. I think we can Uh, refer to it as either for the benefit of this podcast, whichever rolls off the tongue better.
1: I mean, I think it's probably the intergalactic adventures of Max Cloud, (laughs) but we want to keep this a short podcast, so we'll just call it Max Cloud for now. We'll we'll suffer through that. Um, But I had not heard about this film whatsoever, um, sadly, um, because... Yeah, we're just going through recent releases, recent video game movies. And this popped up, it came out last year. Um, was it direct to video? But was it was it always going to be direct to video, do you think?
0: It's hard to tell. I've completely lost track of when films are supposed to be coming out and whether they were always intended for a VOD release or not. So I think this came out uh, at the end of 2020 in the USA and had a UK release again vod in january of this year um which uh is it's kind of nice to see a film i suppose like meant for the past year or so um just because i haven't seen the inside of a cinema since february 2020 indeed i was reminded of it recently that the last film i saw at the cinema was sonnet the hedgehog so um yeah. what a way to go out on <laughs>
1: Mine was almost Bloodshot, and I'm very glad I managed to sneak in and see Onwards just before. I don't think Onwards is a particularly fantastic film, but I just thought, God, if this is the last film I ever see in cinemas, because at that time you think, are cinemas ever going to open again? <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> oh, Bloodshot, that was the last. That was the last film I saw. Cinema began with a train pulling into a station, and it ended with Vin Diesel as a regenerative super assassin. The Lumiere brothers would have been so proud.
1: It was quite funny. When um, Vin Diesel did appear on screen, the entire audience I was with ran out of the cinema terrified. (laughs) (laughs) He's coming right for us. It's not an enormous Vin Diesel looming towards us. (laughs) Um, But regardless of whether or not this was ever destined for the cinema, it definitely gives a director video movie vibe, doesn't it? Not least because I think... The main character, the titular Max Cloud, is played by Scott Atkins, who, again, I was completely unaware of until I had a look at this filmography. And he's definitely, he's got his fans, hasn't he? He's a he's a type of actor, isn't he?
0: Yeah, he's something of a, uh, I guess, DTV superstar in a way. He's, it seems like the smaller the film, the bigger the role and by that token, the bigger the film, the smaller of the role. So he has made appearances in, you know, blockbusters like Doctor Strange and The Expendables mm-hmm. 2. Um, but his main breakthrough was originally in the sort of Hong Kong action scene. So he appeared in a lot of those movies and won the um, plaudits of his peers there. So he's appeared in films with Jackie Chan. He was um, requested by Donnie Yen to be uh, an antagonist in uh, the last Ip Man uh, series of films. So um, he's one of those uh, actors who has sort of straddled the mainstream big stuff, but also made a name for himself in um, smaller movies and DTV movies and has a lot of respect amongst the action community. Amongst sort of actors and stunt people as well as action movie fans. But yes, I I hadn't really gotten sort of stuck into his uh, CV that much um, prior to watching this movie, and I sort of feel like I've been missing out. Um, Apparently, he um, had a sort of big breakthrough in Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning, a sort of follow up to the Universal Soldier franchise, which is meant to be, by all accounts, a very good movie. Not just a very good Universal Soldier movie, uh, a very good movie, (laughs) period. But also, he's been doing, in the past uh, year, I think or so, uh, his own YouTube series called Art of Action, where he interviews big action movie stars or stunt people, so he has interviews with the likes of Tony Jaar, Steven Seagal, Dolph Lundgren, all about their martial arts background and... Key movies um, in their filmography. And indeed, I think a very recent one he did with Joe Taslim, who is playing Sub Zero in the new Mortal Kombat movie. Mm. And in mentioning uh, that film at the uh, end of the interview, I think uh, Joe said, Well, if uh, there's going to be a sequel, I'm going to ask if you can play Johnny Cage. <laughs> and Scott Adkins was like, Yeah, Hi. sign me up, I'm free. <laughs>
1: yeah I don't know if he's got the I view Johnny Cage as a slightly slender band but yo, I'm sure he can bulk up or bulk down um I have been going through a few of his trailers and I've really enjoyed what I've seen um he does seem to have the absolutely have the skills when it comes to the martial arts and um, we'll talk a little bit more about how I feel about him performance wise when we talk about the film itself but um yeah, it sounds like a backhanded compliment when you talk about he, he's a big fish in this particular small pond and then he's in, in the big Hollywood movies the big pond he's a slightly smaller fish. But I when you mentioned Doctor Strange I'm like, "Oh yeah, he's that he's that guy who does a lot of martial arts in Doctor Strange." Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, we've got quite quite I was going to say quite the cast here. There's there's people I recognize. Um we've got John Hanna, playing a character called Revenge or and he's you know uh, a sort of Scottish actor who's been in like flipping everything on British telly and also having kind of an interesting 2020 or was meant to have an interesting 2020 was that uh, Lashana Lynch aka um, she's playing a character called Nomi in no time to die and it kind of boggles the mind to think that in 2020 if all had gone to plan no time to die would have come out, and the Chandler Lynch would have like exploded in this massive Bond film. And then she's kind of dressed as like a space vampire type thing. <laughs> I mean it's also she's well known for Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And again, like when we did our episode based on um, Wing Commander, where Hugh Corshoe showed up in Wing Commander, and then later that year, Star Wars episode one, The Phantom Menace. It's kind of like the same same genre, but a very different flavor (laughs) Mm, mm. but um that sounds like a big a bit dismissive but i kind of also have to like really applaud actors who just who just do the work you know and this is a film shot in yorkshire i believe is that correct
0: the whole film was shot in the studios in north yorkshire and i think pretty much the entire cast is british um Mm. and indeed at the sort of very end of the movie there's a kind of suggestion a note like a nod that uh the accents that they're doing aren't always 100 percent accurate in terms of uh american for those characters which are doing an american accent etc um but yeah the the fact that this is a very clearly low budget very small contained you know just filmed on maybe about you know a few sets on the soundstage in yorkshire but still having some recognisable names in the cast and I think making the most of what was clearly fairly limited resources. Um, and I think, you know, I'm not sure if we've done a wholly British film on the podcast before. I know uh, at least a few of the Resident Evil movies are sort of UK slash German, J- Japanese, some Canadian productions And there's maybe a few sort of UK-US co-productions amongst this. But I think this is probably the only wholly UK film we might have covered on the podcast so far. So the very fact that there's like a movie dealing with sort of video games and video game inspired movies made and produced in the UK is is notable, I think, for a UK podcast. (laughs) Because I'm dumb. I had no idea this was like a
1: British movie until the uh, credits appeared and so going back to Lashana Lynch I do feel that she was like oh yeah I'm UK production I'm in I'm going to help and um going to just say it the style of humor is incredibly red dwarf and I don't mean that as a like they are copying red dwarf but I think I recognize that same sort of off-kilter british science fiction humor that you'd also see in the judge dread comics and things it's i was watching this thinking gosh this american crew and and everything must be real anglophiles they must love the
0: red dwarf and then yeah made sense at the end <laughs> it's interesting because i i noted down both of those i noted down red dwarf in i think which was we mentioned on a previous episode maybe one of the tomb raider ones about chris barry and how we had recently been to see a recording of uh, the most recent red dwarf special and how you know much that show sort of meant to us growing up and in a way I think the sort of, as you say, the humour and the nature of it, I think this film has a 12 certificate and that's sort of like, yeah, that makes sense because there's, you know, a bit of bad language and there's a bit of comic violent gore, like purple blood and heads exploding and that kind of stuff. Nothing too, you know, uh, dramatic or scary. And I sort of think like, yeah, a 12-year-old would really get a kick out of this by complete coincidence. I had
1: also watched two Red Dwarf episodes the night before I watched this and it was I think Gunmen of the Apocalypse which is set It they go into a video game and it has a lot of the sort of similar rules that this um film has. Mm-hmm. So it's all and also um skipping right to the end there's a, a pastry party at the end and later that day I cooked pastries so
0: <laughs> you know. <laughs>
1: The universe wanted
0: me to see this film, it seems. But it's funny that you mentioned Judge Dredd as well, because I sort of wrote down that the relationship between the titular, Matt's cloud and his subordinate, Jake, the chef did remind me a little bit of Judge Dredd, the Stallone and Rob Schneider version and how they sort of like, yes, not just how they sort of look, but also how they behave in that. So make of that what you will. (laughs)
1: no that's perfectly true and i will go on record and saying well judge Dredd is not a very good judge Dredd movie and i don't think i think stallone though he looks the part was very much miscast as dread um I, I could completely tolerate rob schneider in that film and the design of that film looks great there's just something about the look of british sci-fi I don't know, that makes me proud, Rory. (laughs) Gives me British pride, British science fiction. A little bit shit, but, you know, our heart's in the right
0: place. They sort of, in this film, they reach this power core, which is powering the spaceship. And it did look like it was a second-hand TARDIS um, panel in the middle, I think. Mm. I'm not sure whether that was intentional or just leftovers from BBC Studios Cardiff.
1: I'd agree on that, and another reason why this felt very Red Dwarf is, as you say, it seems to have been filmed on several quite small sets, and they put a lot of smoke in there to make it look more impressive, and I think the very fact is the, the a lot of the corridors, a lot of the sets are meant to be representations of a video game, I think that's 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 fine that's allowed it's um it gets away with it much in the same way that spy kids (laughs) 3d got away with being inside a video game i the sets did remind me of spy kids and i'm I'm not gonna say if that was a good thing or a bad thing quite yet
0: for a first dance
1: <laughs> oh, Max Cloud
0: is here But uh, dad You're playing those damn games You'll <sighs> oh, get it back when you learn how to little
1: respect oh,
0: Sarah, I wish I could just play video games all day, every day. Okay, Sarah, keep it together. Is this, this real? Can I touch you? <gasps>
1: oh. Pull yourself together, soldier. We don't have time for this.
0: What? Fear is not near. Cowboy is here. Cowboy? Holy smokes! I'm pretty sure I'm in the game. I'm kind of freaking out right now. Sarah, look out. Oh. I. Whoa! Good work, soldier! That's the of violence! Our time has come. Sarah, can you hear me? I'm shouting! Literally no one was shouting. Soon it will be our love. Uh... If your friends can complete the game, we might actually have a chance of getting out of here! The fate of the universe lies in the hands
1: of Max Cloud.
0: Did I say the universe again? You fantastic.
1: Uh. Firstly, spoilers for max cloud and also spoilers for the intergalactic adventures of max cloud just going to cover my basis there mm-hmm. um but do we have we got this on direct to video but do you have any sort of video box
0: well i've got a synopsis from the well go usa entertainment website which i believe was the distributors at least in the usa possibly uh maybe the uk too but the synopsis is as follows when teen gamer Sarah finds an easter egg and accidentally opens a portal into her favourite side-scroller, she becomes trapped in a notorious intergalactic prison, home to the galaxy's most dangerous villains. To escape, she must finish the game with a little help from her not-so-savvy friend on the outside, or remain a 16-bit character forever. What 16-bit character would you like to be forever?
1: Just throwing this on you.
0: <laughs> um digital island discs forever you get a copy of the bible is there a 16-bit character known for sitting down comfortably <laughs> <laughs> uh, if i'm going to be forever i'd like to be able to
1: recline true um i'm i just think any of the street fighter characters would be a lot of fun to be i think e honda he's got he's got that bath sit <laughs> in the bath and be able to like with that girth being able to fly horizontally and headbutt people i'd get a lot of fun out of that i think
0: I'll go with Bison then. He's always smiling.
1: He's always very happy. <laughs> Psychopowered fascist. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, So, yeah, Max Cloud watched it. I freaking loved it. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And um, with caveat, I mean, as, as I said, I just watched some Red Dwarf. So I was in that vibe. I knew nothing about this film. I'd only watched like the first 10 seconds of the trailer, so I didn't want to spoil myself. And I was like, okay, Rory, we're doing this. I wrote in my notes about 10 minutes in, I am a Max Cloud stan. I (laughs) just thought it was so much fun. And, you know, the humour doesn't always land, but I think it's just this weird cocktail of, as we said, British sci-fi humour um also there's a lot of practical stuff in there i think there's some practical model work in, in there at the start which i really enjoyed and um i think the actors themselves i think the the key thing is that even when the humor doesn't quite land and i say it does land a lot i laughed out loud a lot in this but when it doesn't land the actors themselves seem to be having so much fun and sort of hamming it up so much that i didn't really mind so uh yeah two thumbs up (laughs) but actually just before i end when i was sourcing clips for this video they didn't seem so funny out of context (laughs) (laughs) so when you're listening to the clips in this video and you think what's harry talking about i mean
0: i enjoyed it okay get off my back maybe it was like a cumulative effect of humor or something
1: Mm. i mean what did you think of
0: the old movie well, I'll hold my hands up and say I disagree almost entirely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do agree. I, I enjoyed most of the performances and what they're trying to do. But I think there are a few too many jokes that did not land and a few too many concepts in here, which then sort of don't really mesh together and ends up pretty clunky. I was willing this film to entertain me and it wasn't giving me enough entertainment, uh, sadly. But we'll sort of get stuck in a little more into the the hows and whys. But Mm. just in terms of the... um, We mentioned some of the cast and I think it's sort of key to point out in terms of the creative um, side of things. This is directed by Martin Owen, who most recently directed the Sky original film Twist, which is the retelling of the Oliver Twist story in a modern, gritty, parkour-infused hmm. uh, heist scenario. With I Michael wish you hadn't C- told me that. <laughs> with <laughs> with Michael Caine as the Fagin character, Lena Headey, I think, as the sort of Bill Sites equivalent, and... Uh, Jude Law's son as Twist himself. I watched the trailer for this. It was perhaps the worst thing I'd ever seen
1: in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Let's keep an open mind. I might watch it, but the the track record for Sky Original Movies has not been great.
0: I mean, we watched Final Score with Dave Bautista and Pierce Brosnan.
1: That got advertised on bus shelters, and, you know, (laughs) I think that's the best place for it. It's like a broken bus shelter with some pissing
0: against it. Not on buses. How could... Just bus shelters. How could you, like...
1: Yeah, how could you mess up Dave Bautista and Pierce Brosnan and, and football? You make final score. I can't remember much of that film. I think I, my brain damaged itself on purpose, so I forgot most of the final score.
0: <laughs> but looking at the uh, at the filmography of the director and the cast members, the the less famous cast members, I, I would say, um, it, it seems like he uses the same actors um again and again, which... I think it's nice when I see that happen because that suggests there's a good working relationship and a good creative mm. relationship. So the film was also written by Martin Owen as well as Sally Colette who plays the character Retzi in the film. Okay. Um and a few of the other cast members have been in A few of his other films, so I get a sort of good vibe from the production side of things. If I see, if I'm trying to like check in IMDb and they're like, oh, they've been in a few of his films, and that suggests, I don't know, it it gives me a good feeling when that's happening.
1: (laughs) And as looking through this cast. I now realise why I struggled to work out who was what because they're all putting on—they're mostly putting on American accents, are they? So sometimes you've got these British actors, who are just putting on your your Mid-Atlantic accent. I'm like, he sounds so American. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, for case you hadn't noticed, Scott Adkins is a Brit. And hey, guess what? I thought Scott Adkins was brilliant in this film because he does not wink. At all. Apart from at the very end. Um, co- oh, with, with like the sound effect. Yeah. Well, I think he yeah, winked to camera.
0: <laughs> so there's a literal wink to camera. <laughs>
1: but I mean, I like it. One of my favourite types of comedy is when something very silly is taken very seriously. And Max Cloud falls into this sort of ace rimmer or buzz lightier sort of space adventurer. But I just thought it was really nice to see someone who's obviously spent a lot of time doing kind of films like The Expendables, kind of like not much humour. And this is like an out comedy. And I was looking through some of the reviews of this film from Scott Adkins fans. And a lot of them were kind of like, you know, I like Scott Adkins, but there's not much action in this. There's not much martial arts in this because they were just expecting kind of wall-to-wall action. And Mm. Scott is giving us something else in this. And uh, yeah, I just enjoyed it. I en- enjoyed his presence.
0: I think what uh, it reminded me a little bit is of, say, Black Dynamite in how you have Michael J. White, who has co-starred in films of Scott Adkins, most notably the uh, Undisputed movies, um, but where you have someone who is playing a kind of buffoonish, boorish oaf, in a way um who has got the muscles and has got the skills and can do martial arts but is sort of slightly sending up themselves in Mm. in that respect as well and you know how max cloud refers to himself in the third person most of the time and um yeah has that sort of i i guess like in there's that character in ratchet and clank who's like the sort of the dumb hero, I can't remember his name, that goes to show how memorable Ratchet and Clank was. (laughs) But, you know, the kind of all-American space hero style thing and steering that. And I think he does a really great job of um, coming across in a very... uh, I think he does a very good job and makes a, a very strong impression. And it's clear that you know based on the interviews i've seen with him and the the youtube videos that he's done he does have like a twinkle in his eye and he does have um a really sort of like strong um down to earth personality about things um in terms of like video games um there's a pretty good video recently from polygon uh where they've asked him to review cut scenes from video games where people are fighting and whether that's like well shot action or not and it's him just like looking at clips of mortal combat where there's like a fight amongst zombie <laughs> shaolin monks and him just being like oh yeah kick them in the chest oh yeah you can see all the blood nice <laughs> and it's um it's an entertaining video
1: It's Captain Max Cloud. Over. Repeat, this is Captain Max Cloud. Do you read? Over. We read you, Max. You're breaking up, but we read you. Thank God you're alive. Galaxy will lost without you. We jumped into hyperspace and had a total loss of all power upon re-entry, but I'm Max Cloud, and I don't have time for death.
0: Good news is we have your location.
1: And the bad? Your location. You've come down on Alpha z 3 Alpha's. Oh, shit. We've landed on Hainus.
0: Oh, uh... Hainus? Sorry, why is that a, um... I'm afraid you have... type of situation? The entire planet of Hainus is a prison for the galaxy's most dangerous, violent, and immoral criminals. That's far from ideal. I'm afraid so. Sit tight. rescue ship will be with you in six hours. Okay, six hours. Not a problem. You need to sweep the rest of this ship, look for other survivors, and check that the main hull of the ship has not been breached. I'm gonna gamble it may be. What's your name, soldier? Jake, the chef. Chef? I've literally cooked you food every day for the past six months well, max cloud meets many people i mean like
1: three times a day every day
0: time to move we need to sweep the rest of the ship look for other survivors do you copy me soldier Yep. Yep. sweep the ship and uh look for survivors i said do you copy me soldier i just did think... oh right uh yeah um, yeah copy that mm-hmm.
1: From his films, you'd think he's really self serious. I mean, I'm looking at his uh, glowering picture in an internet movie database, and someone just outside his profile picture has, has really fucked him off. <laughs> 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 but yeah, the film, he just seemed to be just taking the mick. And I, I had, as I said, because I had no idea about his sort of action movie sort of status, I just thought he's just a really funny guy, which is. You know, which is a high compliment. Yes. <laughs> He's just a funny guy.
0: Testament to his performance. <laughs> I
1: mean, he bounces off this other character uh called Jake. And just to establish sort of where we are in this film, it's this the real world is set in like the 80s. Um or Brooklyn, like 80s, 1990. 1990. And so the main, I'm not going to call it the, the Basically the, the main human character for want of a better word Sarah she's a hardcore gamer and she um gets magicked into the game and she occupies the body of the ship's chef called Jake and again this is a, a being a british actor i believe J- Elliot James and my computer's cutting off the end of his name <laughs> <laughs> Elliot James Langridge mhm what's his actual name yeah langridge um i i got it and um it's funny, the, the characterization doesn't change so much between him being possessed by Sarah and not possessed by Sarah. <laughs> but he sort of takes a side-eye view of all the superheroics, I suppose, of Max Cloud. But what did you think of, of this particular character bouncing off uh, Max?
0: Well, I, I think I read that in, the, in an interview that um, the actor playing Jake didn't get any time to meet the actor playing Sarah. So there was no way for them to necessarily bring over mannerisms or affectations to mm. the character. And I suppose like we've seen, for instance, in, and I, d- I don't want to necessarily sort of make a big deal about it, but like Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, which is maybe the most notable yeah, recent, like real people sucked into the video game and become video game characters. And you have, for instance, the Jack Black character who is is inhabited by... A teenage girl and so you, you you know there's like a sort of parallel there although as we've seen on this podcast there are a lot of people sucked into video game movies out there so <laughs> it's not like a new original inspired idea in but that you respect imagine,
1: imagine if that happened to us if we got sucked into our own podcast and we had to only exist in video game movies now how do you know that's
0: not happening already oh uh,
1: well i don't i don't see jake gyllenhaal here riding an ostrich so i think i'm safe <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason why I struggled with calling Sarah the main character is that she appears in the flesh for almost no time before she's sucked into the game Eventually, she pops out at the very end. So she's she's speaking throughout. She has a conversation with her mate on the outside world, but the, we never see her. I did feel a little bit sorry for the actress, uh, Elizabeth, Isabel Allen, who, uh, you know, does a great vocal performance, but doesn't get to rock her 80s slash 90s outfits very much in this film
0: yeah i think she's uh she's appeared in a lot of the director's other stuff but she's maybe best known for being young Cosette in tom hooper's les miserables so her face adorned posters throughout the world oh. um, i know it's crazy
1: on the internet movie database she still has her a picture of her when she's very very young and now she's a teenager and i'm like that doesn't look like the actress at all, and that's puberty <laughs> for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's, it's nice to have the gamer character be a girl, and means that it gets away from the sort of, like, you know, games were only for boys, even in the 90s, you know, girls were playing games and all that kind of stuff, so, you know, there's no judgment at all in terms of Her being a gamer, but also being a girl. There is judgment from her dad, who is very anti-games. And he sort of steals her controller and makes sure she can't play games. And it's sort of the way she gets magicked into the game is through a sort of, oh, I want to be able to play video games all day, every day, and no one can stop me. And then a magical space witch um, transports her into the game. But yeah, it, it would have been nice for her to have a bit more on-screen time to reinforce that. Uh, Dad? What did I tell you about knocking? Well, I would knock if I thought I was going to catch you doing something,
1: other than playing those damn games.
0: But I'm so close to finishing it, though. You
1: know what? No, that's it. I'm banning all video games this weekend.
0: Come on, Dad, get a grip.
1: You can't speak to me like that and expect to get away with it, Sarah. Now turn it
0: off. Now. Sure, you got it. You know, your mother hated you being on that thing all the time. Jeez, you have serious issues, man. Watch it with that back talk, young lady. Huh, what's this? No way. Secret room? have I never seen this before?
1: Now, you mentioned earlier that you thought this film was a little bit of a mess. And the thing is, I wouldn't necessarily disagree. But I think the big sort of gimme I'm giving this film is that it seems to be very much influenced by late 80s slash early 90s cinema and within that it's that era's sort of lack of care to make things make sense because you know things like big like he wishes on a magic wishing machine <laughs> just trying to think what it's called and for no reason he, his wish is granted and th- things like this seem to happen all the time like you know i think of batteries not included where a building's going to be take- pulled down, but luckily on that very same day, like robots appear. <laughs> and, uh, all, all's well that ends well, and you know, there's practically no reason why Sarah gets sucked into the
0: game, um, and there's practically no reason and, why she gets booted out at the end.
1: <laughs> yeah, and even and within the game itself, Sarah slash Jake meets Rexy, who is herself. Um, another gamer from the real world but we, we discover that quite late and it doesn't the the film is completely uninterested of like asking why that's happened and how and the and how coincidental it all is but I mean this film doesn't really have to be set in the 90s it could have been set on a scrolling beat-em-up in the modern day but I think it deliberately sets itself as era so it doesn't have to concern itself with the sort of questions that we ask of of modern films i think i I saw once somebody say on the somebody say the problem with film fans today is that they all think they're quentin tarantino and everyone's trying to tarantino everything they always they refer to that discussion at the start of reservoir dogs where people talk you know dissecting like a virgin to the nth degree and i think this film wants to have sarah turn into jake and not have the sort of 2021 conversation about gender politics and and you know let's not say say like transitioning and all that stuff it just wants to have a bit of fun and so i wrote here what is the what the fuck is wrong with 80s dads because sarah's dad just comes in and says i don't want you playing video games he's just being a complete dick but you know what 80s dads were dicks (laughs) in those films they were just Go and do your homework and, and doing all the res- you know, telling you to be responsible and things. I just realized
0: that maybe I was the problem in the 80s and, and not my dad <laughs> or not yeah. our dad. I did think that dad had, um, he reminded me of that weird Super Mario Bros. comic with that mustachioed like man in his, I guess, like 30s or 40s in the real world who, like, turns to a ditching or something and like steals a game boy or i mean this is all very sort of like vague i'm sure like the valiant comics <laughs> do you remember that one yeah so there was this weird sort of run of mario brothers
1: uh comics and mario's brought into the real world because you don't have multiple lives in the real worlds and so he's gonna die for forever but um i think back in the 80s and this film completely Um, talks about this being a, a gamer and an adult is considered to be quite shameful i think that's what that comic established but there's also we discover that sarah's dad was himself a massive gamer and that's why his wife left him and it's up to um the dad's amazing gaming skills at the end of the film to um save the well sort of save the day i mean again there is another question about how sarah throughout the film is being controlled by a man either her dad or her best mate hot dog no her, be- <laughs> her best mate i said her best mate's called hot dog because he spends the whole film stuffing hot dogs into his face but his her actual best mate's called cowboy but like so this, this, this woman, her agency is kind of stripped away and she's either been controlled by a man or she's in a man's body. And look, here I am talking like a 2021 film critic again. So...
0: <laughs> yeah, but the film was released in 2021. <laughs> Going back to my original point, <laughs> this this is
1: kind of trying very hard to have like 80s film logic. And sort of, and I keep saying 80s, but it's 1990. It's just got that sort of vibe.
0: Yeah, and and the fact that you know cowboy does name check big and vice versa and is very quickly on board with the concept that his friend sarah is trapped in a video game it doesn't take him long to be like okay yeah i i i I buy it i guess this is what's happening now he just
1: went to the same school as the character from big you know it's (laughs) like oh this this stuff happens all the time
0: is that you how you doing that? Let me pause this. Weird. Game won't pause. See, this is what I'm telling you about secondhand games. Super sketchy. This one is definitely sketchy, that's for sure. I'll just restart it. No. Okay. I mean, you're not even that far in. You have to promise me you won't restart the game or hit the power. Okay. Promise me. Yeah, I promise. What is going on? Don't freak out.
1: I am a paragon of chill, I. right? I'm just gonna come straight out with it. I'm pretty sure I'm in the game. <laughs> uh,
0: good one. Now, come on, come out. Where are you? In the game, I can see Max Cloud in the flesh. He's standing right in front of me. Sarah, this is a really weird joke. I'm looking at a screen right now, and all I can see is Max Cloud and Jake. Nobody else. What? Oh God, I knew it. I'm Jake Carnite. Oh, why can I have turned into Max? Seriously, Jake's literally the worst.
1: I've seen big. I've seen Fred Savage's Magnificent Vice Versa, so I know these things are possible.
0: Help me, cowboy. I went to bed, and the next thing I know, I'm here. On Max Cloud's spaceship.
1: This... This... this is so cool. Look, if... if you're Jake, and I'm playing as Jake, does that mean I'm controlling you?
0: Uh, I guess so. <laughs>
1: Oh, man, this is so awesome.
0: What's the danger, soldier? You doing it? Yes, I'm doing it. Now stop.
1: What is so funny?
0: You're making me look stupid in front of Max. Okay, party (laughs) pooper. Shall we just talk very briefly about Cowboy, then? He's the sort of controller in the real world. He's played by Franz Dremer, who I guess I first saw in Attack the Block. Um, But he's since Mm -hmm. been in um, Edge of Tomorrow. And he was also in Twist uh more recently but i i think he's probably got one of the better american accents mainly because he's been in more american movies playing americans
1: <laughs> yeah i did again because i didn't know the whole sort of background of this film i thought oh they've got an american in to do this bit <laughs> yeah. and he ain't and again I, I should know his face i've seen attack the block age loads of times but he's got a high top <laughs> in this film and um you know i think it's the only film i've seen where a man is sort of just constantly eating hot dogs from a tin (laughs) i've seen films similar to that but it's not hot dogs (laughs) but yeah i mean your minors may vary it's very weird that he does accept the weird situation very quickly but again i'm saying it's an 80s 90s movie and he is also quite irritating (laughs) but kind of purposefully there's only one bit which didn't really land for me. Like at one point, he decides to—well, no, a couple of things he does irritated me. Maybe <laughs> <That's okay, baby laughs> intentionally he does go to the toilet at one point to leave his trainer and a controller, and he comes back all apologetic, like, "Oh, like it was a cutscene or something." But I mean, you know, your your friend's in danger, man. <laughs> and then there's also a bit when he tries to call nine one one at one point, and he does this while playing the game and of course the police are like what the hell are you talking about and he doesn't say things like have you seen big oh yeah big gosh yes that was (laughs) I was on that case
0: (laughs) but yeah like maybe he should have been phoning up the like Nintendo hotline or the Sega hotline or you know like they do in the wizard maybe that would have been a more useful (laughs) phone call to make
1: yeah just imagine this is what this game has been doing the same thing all across the country so there are tips for that
0: well it's happened to at least one person before
1: they meant they do drop a line saying this is a second-hand game so maybe it is like a he they bought the game from the uh same place gizmo came from in gremlins you know he's got a video game system there he's selling Frogurt. he's selling Mogwise. it's uh that's <laughs> that one shop
0: we all had one on the high street in the 80s
1: <laughs> yeah I miss my um yeah, magical emporium of cursed items
0: <laughs> um. they're all subways now <laughs> same difference. I think the fact that you do have this retsy character who um turns out to be a real person uh as well, and the fact that it was a second hand game it does suggest this rather tragic story that you know they disappeared into this game and maybe whoever, like, their family thought they were missing and then, like, oh, what are we going to do with all this old stuff? It's just like, oh, I don't know, take it to Electronics Boutique. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I was completely convinced. You know, I mentioned how the dad, um, how Sarah's dad, his wife, <laughs> i.e. Sarah's mum, <laughs> uh, Sarah's mum apparently left Sarah's dad and I assumed that sarah's mum was going to turn out to be rexy but a that would be slightly weird in a sort of sexual Oedipal way <laughs> and um b it was not that at all just uh, <laughs> subverted my expectations but you know every normal hollywood film has to have doesn't like loose threads but no sarah sarah's mum just went off to live a better life it seems yeah, without was dead? I can't remember. <laughs> One of
0: the two. <laughs> Not having to deal with people playing video games all the time, it's the same difference. So, I-, I guess we've sort of talked about like the real world people and their interactions with the game. I'd like to just sort of move on to the game itself. Um, mm-hmm. So, Matt's Cloud, or the Interactive Adventures of Matt's Cloud, I guess, is the game, as is the name of the film. Um, and I, I think... In terms of the representation, I think it's pretty spot on. I, I really appreciated the level of detail with the graphics and the way, the look of the game and the feel of the game. It, it sort of is predominantly a side-scrolling beat-em-up. And as sort of background research or to get me in the mood, I decided to play Capcom Beat 'em up bundle mm. on Nintendo Switch. So I played a bit of Captain Commando uh, and I played a bit of Battle Circuit, which I think is the closest thing to this. Um, it's a very fun game, it's kind of slightly comic, um, and you play a bunch of uh bounty hunter cyborgs or something. And uh, one of the <laughs> one of the characters is like a little girl riding a robotic pink ostrich.
1: Why are there so many robot bounty hunters? Like they sharpen Star Wars and this? I mean, what, what could have I'm sure a robot could do anything else than bounty hunting.
0: I think it's a pretty good job because, like, as a robot, you don't have any emotions. So what's a high-paying job which benefits you not being able to feel anything? (laughs) Um, Killing people, I guess?
1: I just think, like, what are they going to spend their money on?
0: Oil, bolts.
1: Robot pornography. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the highest praise for me was that this made me want to play some video games. And, you know... (laughs) Sometimes we are watching these films and like, I want to stip my wrists. <laughs> but um, or sometimes I'm like, oh, this is quite like that game I like. But this was like, I want to... It just it had a passion for video games, I felt. And I was also reminded of Scott Pilgrim versus the Worlds. And it's funny enough, that's got a scoring beat, beat him up game, hasn't it? But I remember we had a discussion about the book Scott Pilgrim and the film and the book's because there's a lot more there's a lot more content in there it sort of explains the whole video game world a little bit better but in the film it comes across sort of like they did it because it was cool and this features several fights with you know ko and life bars and all that stuff where i imagine people would be watching and thinking this is ripping off scott pilgrim but i felt this it was very much about games it was very much about video game logic and I think my favourite bit in the whole film was a boss battle between, or let's say a sub-boss battle between Max Cloud and a character identified in Iron Turp Movie Database as Musculore, mm-hmm. who's like a giant brick shithouse of a man. And the way Max defeats Musculore is kicking him on the backside and then hiding very visibly behind a table. Not a table, hiding very visibly behind some
0: like a console, yeah.
1: A console, yeah. And it does that thing we've seen a thousand times in video games, where you like you shoot one guard dead, and then the guards next to him investigates for just a little bit, but because you're not in his line of sight, he goes right back to next next to the corpse of his friend. And I just was pissing myself watching that. So yeah.
0: I think that's definitely the the best moment where the the video game, the nature of video games, and the comedy and everything is like meshed perfectly.
1: It just feels so often we're dealing with films which is viewing video games as an IP, something they can adapt, and here it just felt it had it had a love of video games and you know the fights. Are a really impressive again i was like oh this guy must be a martial artist because i really enjoyed the relatively bloodless fights but you know as you say they're video game characters so they have purple blood but again very in keeping with 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 scrolling beat-em-ups you know with
0: a lot of it taking place in a corridor and i guess that's perfect side-scrolling analogy
1: (laughs) yeah i mean again the only problem with the translation is that the and we're talking about the video game the, the 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 detailing on the spaceship corridors in the video game are a little bit more detailed than the actual sets themselves (laughs) but again you know I'm sure that's partly a budget thing but also it just gave me that sort of lovely red dwarf vibe where you could tell the sets are made of plywood and I just you know that's that's not that's the the bridge is not made of metal it's made of fiberglass and wood (laughs) and you can tell but I'm still like... Oh, it just reminds me of my childhood.
0: <laughs> it's, from a design point of view, everything is so colourful and bright. Like, I liked the look of the spaceship. I liked the fact that it was all, like, red and blue and pink. And it yeah, wasn't, I mean, like... I I've, I've
1: written here... I've written here, they're on the planet of the bisexual lighting. Because <laughs> it was very purple
0: and blue. Yeah, but it's just nice rather than, like, you know, just metallic metal gray gangways and and that kind of stuff it just uh yeah it was like really trying to evoke a kind of feel for the era and and everything and yeah to to an extent it does mean that i know you were saying that some like action fans were a little bit like well where's the action and it does mean any time there's like a big monster or any time there's some kind of like really lots of baddies or complicated thing that would happen in VFX, um, it does kind of like revert to the in-game graphics. <laughs> so it's just yeah, like, oh, I we'll just do it that. in pixels.
1: I did notice that, but also I thought it just it just utilised that. Because, yeah, there's, there's absolutely a scene. I mean, oftentimes the fighting and the video game, they intercut... So if we do real world as in live action fighting, then we cut to the game and we see the see this the digital sprites fighting. But there is this one bit where a giant monster appears and we never ever see that live action. It is exclusively through the video game screen. And it just worked for me. And uh the music um would change from orchestral when we're with the characters in the game to digital when he's playing the game. It was the, it was the same music. It just changed its sort of the instrumentations, the instruments. So again, just a little touch like that. I really appreciated.
0: And I think even like the moves that Matt's cloud pulls off, like there's nothing sort of too super complex. Like all those things seem like moves, which a side-scrolling beat-em-up character would ordinarily do. Like just the, the way the kits are kicked, the way the punches are thrown, the little sort of like uppercuts and, and stuff just... Felt very in keeping with, uh, with sort of fighting game style.
1: Transfer Mama! Oh, yeah! Come on, basic go! Happy! Have it! Woo! Great! Pony on, let's go! Frost to top, come on! Transfer, cross! Revenge Again, now one more time, let's do it! Don't sneak up on me! It pigs my anxiety! I assume the presence of the space <laughs> pirate means the job is done. Oh, Jesus. Space cowboy, amigo.
0: Space cowboy. We've spoken about this before. I am not having a conversation with you whilst you're doing whatever it is you're doing. I'm just working up my fitness for my revenge on planet Earth. Uh, back to Come on, baby. I'm waiting.
1: Go. The survivors were in possession of a power core. Brock went in, proved to be utterly useless. So I went in there myself and destroyed it. We couldn't risk them escaping. The ship.
0: Yeah. What my ship? She. What about our deal? The prisoners are bringing it to us.
1: (sighs) The survivors. Including that devilishly handsome Max. Cloud taken care of. You. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What does that mean? You said you wouldn't hurt them. Hush. Anything else? I'm cooling down here. The ship won't be long, so make sure you're ready. I'll finish my video and then I'll pack. So we've talked a bit about the sort of location but we have a few characters in this game world who are not controlled by human beings at all uh we mentioned him before the main well i say the main villain let's call him the main villain because he is the final boss ultimately uh revenge or or his actual name is jeremy we discover (laughs) but um yeah i just again I did not expect John Hannah to be in this, so was like, oh hello, and he's a very insecure character. He's it's, I think it's the brat's the broadest kind of humour, is at Revengeur's lair, which again looks very sort of eighties Doctor Who when it comes to like the rock formations. Again, this does is it's definitely not filmed in the cave, <laughs> um, but. I think we are first introduced to him where he he's complaining about his peace being disturbed and then his hench person is like, Oh, I've got I've got one of your top ten things you want in the whole universe. <laughs> and again,
0: it was just just very silly,
1: but quite enjoyable.
0: I think the whole revenge or thing is maybe the weakest part of the movie for me. I don't know whether it's a problem with the performance or how it's pitched. I usually quite enjoy John Hannah's work, but I think this and Matt's Cloud's bat story are the two elements which just don't ring true. Because the way I think this film is maybe a bit of a mess and a bit confused is the depiction of the game and how serious the game is and where the comedy is whether the comedy is coming from the game or the comedy is applied on top of the game and yes you you have side scrolling beat em ups and video games in the 90s which have a sense of humor but it's just a bit unclear to me like where the comedy is coming from um because I suppose the stakes as well I mean, there's a
1: there's a line dropped where uh, Jake is told slash Sarah is told right away that they only have one life, and so I guess I suppose nominally there's stakes, but um, I don't really we don't really get an impression what will happen if revenge or sort of wins, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, but I I think the problem is is that. Like, uh, when they find Revenge Or's backstory and it turns out he's actually called Jeremy and stuff, that's all in the manual of the video game. So that's sort of established, but it's just the kind of like, oh, it's like a villain who plays board games and does a robots and has a frilly lamp and is complaining about the anxiety that he has and it's just like
1: when i really don't 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 insult the lamp i really enjoyed the (laughs) villain having like a lamp you'd find in the granny flat
0: i don't know i i just felt it was all like it was very broad and it was all a bit too much and i sort of it it made me think that maybe video game was wrong and maybe sarah being sucked into a 90s saturday morning cartoon was more appropriate because Revenger is more of the skeletal mumra villain mould than what I would usually equate a video game boss to be. And there's always like an element, I suppose, of campiness. And I think Revenger is maybe going into that sort of queer coded villain territory. He seems constantly just obsessed with how handsome Matt's cloud is, but that doesn't really go anywhere i just sort well,
1: of it, it goes to one of my favorite lines where he does say oh Max cloud you are handsome and max cloud's response is
0: it's true i am beautiful
1: <laughs> which i thought was very funny
0: yeah but i i i, I don't know like i mean even you know we, we see in red dwarf we have these like villains which do silly stuff and it sort of undercuts their villainy in that respect but I just sort of felt that element of the film just didn't quite gel with me. And I think you either have, like, a gruffer, tougher, scarier villain which does this stuff. Or you just do something else with it. But I didn't think that John Hanna was gruff, tough enough to really, you know, make the fact that, oh, he likes board games and he's actually, like, soft inside. Mm in any way work
1: now i get where you're coming from it reminds me a bit of tropic thunder and i'm going to spoil a little bit of tropic thunder now tropic thunder is a film i've not actually got to the end of because it's about um self-serious actors not realizing they're in an actual war zone and the comedy again is that they are sort of these buffoons in a super serious situation um, but then they encounter this small kind of guerrilla army, and if I recall, the leader of this guerrilla army is like a child, and yeah. immediately it lost me because I'm like, no, what should be happening is that things get seriouser and seriouser and seriouser, but when you've got a villain who's also a comedy character, it just it just sort of like the air is let out of the balloon a bit. So um, yeah, I get where you're coming from. Um, it does seem to be that. Revenger is surrounded by two kind of more threatening characters, uh, one of which is like a space, another bounty hunter, but this one's not robotic, but he's like a space bounty hunter, a space cowboy called Brock Donnelly, who does seem to be somebody who kind of, when we meet him, we're not sure if he's a goodie or a baddie. I quite enjoyed him, but how do you feel his, does he, sorry, in comparison to, revenge or do you think you got more more of a
0: threat from uh the cowboy brock brock donnelly is played by tommy flanagan who is appears in lots and lots of stuff as a heavy usually he was in uh, sons of anarchy he was in guardians of the galaxy volume 2 um i think came to my attention first in gladiator i think but yeah i i think his character works because he is a sort of archetype and the way he is introduced and the way he sort of joins the party to an extent it felt very much like the core four of Matt's Jake Retzy, and Brock is like your sort of RPG party team going out on a quest and I think his character works because he is as serious as Matt's Cloud is as serious you know Matt's Cloud is a buffoon but he is committed to being his character, he is serious, he believes in himself, and Brock believes in himself that way as well, and, you know, she as well. These are all characters who exist in the game and behave like a character in a video game, whereas I think Revenge, or I was expecting to be revealed, was actually a Another player who had been trapped in the game and that's why they want to get out of the game and their quest to retrieve max cloud ship and get the power core so he can get off the planet but no his plan his end of the you know his revenge on earth plan is contained within within the game itself so it's just like where the seriousness and where the comedy is derived from and how that really i don't know i think there was like a disconnect and i think like the brock donnelly character made more sense uh within the within the concept of the the game the movie and everything uh,
1: so like how i've been struggling a bit by calling sarah the main character of this film um i struggled a bit with calling revenge or the main villain because i think it really is she actually which is s-h-double-e uh, played by LaShawn the Lynch who is kind of the most evil she's definitely got an evil Lynn vibe going with her sunken eyes and like limp hair and I think she might have pointed teeth as well, well maybe I'm just dreaming
0: that I don't know I think she's got pointy ears <laughs> at least she definitely has pointy ears and
1: like I say I just imagine her just like the, the whiplash effect having been on Captain Marvel a couple of years ago flying like a quinjet which actually looks like it could actually fly in outer space and then it's doing like this plywood set doing a sort of left to right boss battle type thing um what did you think of her characterization though
0: again it is a little bit like c bbc um (laughs) sci-fi drama uh series performance i don't think it's necessarily like bad i think it's just you know, the nature of the production and the tone that's been sort of struck and, you know, to an extent, like the material that she has. So, yeah, it's fine. I I liked the kind of boss battle sequence that she had cool. where the game goes into a sort of third person style dodging and shooting mm. mode. And, you know,
1: what's that cowboy game on this on the SNES?
0: Yeah, Wild Guns. Uh,
1: wild Guns. Yeah, that Wild Guns vibe. I mean, she was like a boo-hiss villain. Um, but, you know, just <laughs> I think I was just very distracted that it was Lashana Lynch, which is not her fault at all. It's like, I can't get No Time to Die this year, but I can get
0: Max Cloud. <laughs> and she's soon to be Miss Honey in the Matilda oh, yes. movie musical, I think.
1: Yeah, gosh, loads of stuff. Brilliant. Um, but I'll always think of her as she from now on. <laughs> be watching no time to die and it finally hits cinemas. It, it, it's she it is she i don't think they say it is she in this film which is a major letdown but uh anyway so yeah i think her fight the boss battle we mentioned is one of my favorite bits there's also a massive boss battle at the end well, i say massive but it's um you're all shot on the blue screen and it's it's your traditional beat-em-up tile style ending with the life bars i mean it does fudge genres a little bit doesn't it because i don't think scrolling beat-em-ups really do like a street fighter style fight at the end Now i'm sure there's been so many scrolling beat-em-ups someone can surely point that out to me but um <laughs> you know i think wasn't it uh, john hannah was doing all these quips as he has been beaten up which i quite enjoyed none of which i could remember i must say <laughs> but um yeah, like I said, even though people might compare that to *Scott Pilgrim, it felt fully justified because it was very much a literal video game world.
0: Yeah, and it looks pretty cool. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, we sort of talked about how like whenever thing was too complicated, they would revert to pixels. But actually, generally speaking, the V are pretty good in this film. Like when it does have to use like computer graphics and stuff. I think I enjoyed how it all looked, Uh, I think they did a pretty good job of realising the game world and the action within it um, effectively. Let's huddle. Okay. What do you think we should do, Rexy? Really? Yeah. You're smarter than I am. Just took me a while to get my head out of my own ass. Thanks, Max. Hmm. I think we should go with Jake on this one. I say we do it the mask way. Loud, brash, strain through door. Who's with me? The Max Cloud Way. <clears throat> bit much. The Max
1: Cloud Way. Hey! <laughs> there's, a, there's various action secrets for this throughout the film. For some reason, Revengeor and his multitude are doing like a, a rave <laughs> in his castle. But, uh, yeah. Once the <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. I don't know. I just feel like, you know what? I feel like this is the definition of a Marmite movie, I think. I was just like, yeah, yeah. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't care. And you're like, I don't understand why this is happening. And I do care. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, that's cinema. (laughs) And I'm calling, I'm staking my flag in the ground. I'm calling Max Cloud Cinema. (laughs) Um, but you know they defeat the big boss John Hanna and they don't know quite why they haven't reverted back to to the real world and for a moment I was like oh they stuck there forever but but no I think for some reason it is when um, the space cowboy Brock Darnley leaves the scene that the magical space witch appears and brings everyone back to the real world, and fortuitously, I think Rexy in the real world doesn't live too far away. Oh no, she's brought back, doesn't she? She's brought back. Sorry, I got flashbacks to um, Ready Player One, where for some for somehow the f- top four pl- players of a worldwide Amazo tournament um, all
0: live in like within walking distance of each other. <laughs> <laughs> They just have really a hyper-optic broadband where they are, so they that's do. why they're the best.
1: But I think we, we skipped over a bit that you wanted to talk about. Oh, the flashback. That's my other... See, this is my other favourite bit, because we learn that Max Cloud... And I paused the film to go and tell my wife this. <laughs> I said, oh, I'm watching Max Cloud, and it's about a Buzz Lightyear character, but he really wanted to be a pastry chef.
0: I just... I can identify, you know? But this gets back to my issues again with the Revenge-or character. Yeah, like, this moment... So, Max Cloud reveals that he didn't actually want to always be, like, this high-flying space commando. And everyone gets him wrong, and his persona is not really who he wants to be deep down. Because when he was little growing up, his mum was a pastry chef. And the pastry life was calling him, but she sadly passed away and his dad found him late at night baking and it reminded him too much of his dead wife and so sent his son off to (laughs) space school and so in a way he is now jealous of Jake the chef on board even though he can't remember his name or face but just has to accept his lot and says space heroes don't have time for baking see that gets me really tearful But it's just, (laughs) it's just again, it's just again, this thing where it's like, this other side to this character would work in another context, I think. And I think even if it was like a parody of macho Saturday morning cartoons, and it's just like, oh, but he actually wants to be a pastry chef at heart. I just don't see like that being a thing with video games. And even if we remove the whole element of... Someone being trapped in a video game or someone being trapped in this world from the real world, etc. Like, I think the revengeful stuff would work and the MaxCloud stuff would work if it was just, like, a straightforward parody. If it wasn't, like, this framework of having someone trapped in this world. If it was just, like, oh, here's, like, a bright, colourful cartoon homage to ridiculous 80s sci-fi adventure... I think that stuff would be fine because the comedy is then there. I just, I think it's just, it's too many layers, which, (laughs) uh, you know, for a pastry chef is maybe not a bad thing, but I think for this film, it doesn't really quite, it just doesn't really hold together for me. And it just feels clunky and shoehorned and not in keeping with the rest of the tone elsewhere.
1: I mean, I, I, get, I get what you mean. It's a, it's a little bit depressing to think that there's loads of video game characters in the games I play who wanted to be chefs. You know, been playing a bit of Mortal Kombat at the moment. So I'd hate to think that Sub-Zero really wanted to be. It's like, you know, working in an ice cream van rather than a deadly ninja warrior.
0: I like how you think working in an ice cream van is equivalent to chef. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> I imagine... <laughs> I you think next time you get a 99 plate, you should be, and my compliments to the chef. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never heard that one before, <laughs> I feel like. Um, where is the chef? Bring, bring him out. <laughs> this is a no way to diminish the hard work of ice cream van attendants um, yeah. across the world. You do valuable service, but I wouldn't call you a chef. <laughs> In the
1: summer, you're going to go to get an ice cream and the guy's going to be like, I know that voice. <laughs> Did you
0: just shit on ice cream, chefs?
1: It's like, no, no, it wasn't me.
0: Yeah, you're on that yeah. podcast. And then they'll sort of drive off at high speed with a tinkling of green sleeves. He'll open his secret um, uh, box of, like, dried
1: dog turds he's found and stick that in your ice cream as a flake. And then, unfortunately, that will be witnessed by the health inspectors who'll be like, you're, you're closed, mate, you're closed. <laughs> and then he'll be angry at you for making him put a dog turd in an ice cream and then you'll have um an ice cream man as your nemesis and just think about that
0: i i know there is a film i think there's a horror film about a killer ice cream man i haven't seen it but i imagine that is the whole plot
1: are they called ice cream men ice cream women
0: yeah, oh, know. it's a Clint Howard movie. Of course it is Clint Howard of as a disturbed ice cream Howard. man who blends human parts into his frozen confections. Of course.
1: Mm. I'm I'm going to add that to my watch list. I'm going to watch that <laughs> film and I'll get back to you. See if it's more entertaining than Max Cloud.
0: Well, the way it sort of like wraps up just to sort of talk about pastries is that you know, with the real-world people safe back in Brooklyn, 1990 plus four months later, um, it seems the in-game characters of Retzi and Jake are now controlled by the CPU again. I wonder if they have any memory of it or whether the game resets. I mean, the Retzi character, because they are played by a real person their whole attitude is very like, oh, seen it all before, oh, you know, not this again, oh, yeah, he's Match Cloud, and just, like, delivers her dialogue very bored, because clearly this game has been reset over and over, which suggests, like, it's actually fine if the characters die or get reset, because clearly she's been through this a number of times. Um... But anyway, they're like off jetting across the galaxy. They've saved the day and in comes Max Cloud serving pastries, living his pastry chef,
1: Truth. Clearly pastries bought from the Tesco Express around the corner.
0: Yeah, that was definitely either Store like an lattes. apple lattice or <laughs> a maple pecan lattice or something. It was very supermarket bakery, which, which is fine.
1: It's is fine. But he had also brought three different types of pastries. And it just seems like a very complicated thing to do to bake three different types of pastries rather than cooking like the same type of pastry three times. But, you know, maybe he's just such a good chef. Or maybe his spaceship is mostly made of a kitchen. It's a very big kitchen. Doesn't seem to be anyone else in this crew other than Max Cloud, a commander, and a chef. Yeah, Uh, because they all died. They all died. yeah, I suppose. It's like Under Siege, Instead of Steven Seagal being a killer chef, it's a a man controlled by a lady. Ooh, a lady inside a man's body being controlled by a man. It's very complicated.
0: Yeah, and roll credits and Stan Bush singing the song Dare as taken from the Transformers, the movie soundtrack.
1: I recognised it, didn't know what from.
0: So clearly, very much, its heart is lodged squarely in the 1980s slash 1990. Maybe 1991 and 2.
1: I was a massive Transformer fan when I was a kid, but I somehow missed the movie. But at university, I met another person who was still a massive Transformer fan, and he sat me down. And I finally got to watch Transformers the movie with Leonard Nimoy and Orson Welles and Better Animation and Optimus Prime dying and... That film's shit. It's really, (laughs) really bad. You thought this film had an inexplicable dance party. At one point, a Transformer voiced by Eric Idle tells everyone to just dance on the trash planet and then all the Transformers fucking dance. I think so like some
0: uh, weird Al Yankovic song or something.
1: Yeah. So I'm saying Michael Bay improved on that nonsense. He made a much better Transformers film.
0: Improved or made something equally bad but different? Well, maybe
1: we'll do a Transformers episode one day because I think there's been a few Transformers video games. But anyway, that's for another episode. So, I mean, usually at this point we ask each other how we thought the film went, but I think we've been sort of telling everyone how we felt about it throughout the entire (laughs) episode. So going back to I mean, I basically, I value your opinion, Rory. Um, I think they are very good points um and i just think it was a combination of me being, me being on quite in quite a good mood that day and wanting something undemanding and also really gelling with this sort of loose logic of of 80s slash 90s cinema and it just feeling like a lost episode of red dwarf but with none of the actual red dwarf actors in it <laughs> <laughs> as the inquisitor says in an episode of red dwarf by the low bar that this film needed to achieve it's it's sailed over it and i won't lie as soon as my rental period ended because i rented this for just a pound and a half <laughs> uh, on the internet as soon as my rental period ended i thought I, I think i might want to buy this film i'm gonna just check it out and it is available on blu-ray so maybe i'll get it so it's just, it's just high praise. When I want to spend more than a couple of quid on a video game movie, and it's, <laughs> it's something, something very, very special.
0: Yeah. Uh, to me, I just sort of feel like this film is not convinced with its own premise. So we get the comedy pastry stuff. We get the comedy villain called Jeremy, who plays board games. I, it just feels to me like this script was sat on for about a decade, which I know isn't true, but it just feels like a very sort of holdover from a different time. The world has maybe moved on. And maybe this is like harking back to a more innocent time and trying to evoke that. And, and you know, that that's nice. That's good. But, you know, to me, when I was watching it, I was sort of thinking... I can't see how this will satisfy any audience member because it's either sort of too childish for people who lived in that era and liked the sort of retro nostalgia stuff. Or it's just too sort of, I don't know, like not enough action to satisfy the action movie crowd and not funny enough to satisfy a mainstream comedy crowd. But clearly it found one audience member in you. So that must suggest there's lots more like that out there and maybe I'm just the the stick in the mud about it.
1: Yeah, I do. I enjoy the image of you sort of watching this film shaking your head, saying who on earth could enjoy this? And meanwhile, in my house, I'm pausing it every five minutes to tell my wife how much I'm enjoying it. (laughs) (laughs) Because I went into here with very low expectations. So again, it just exceeded them for me.
0: Yeah, I I wish the film all the best in the world, and I just wish (laughs) I could have been more on board with it, because the stuff that I liked about it, I really did like, and I really did enjoy Scott Adkins in this role, and I think I'm very willing to go and watch some of his more gruffer movies, knowing that even if he is pulling, like, a very angry face, and, like, Sticking a baddie's head through a wall, he's doing it with a little sprint in his step and a little smile in his heart. (laughs) Did you say gruffer movies? Yeah. (laughs) I could just imagine the video box
1: saying contains bad language, nudity, violence, gruffness. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to his violent remake of The Gruffalo. (laughs) snap (laughs) Snap some stick men over his knee um cool well that's that's i mean you say good luck to Matt's cloud it, as i say it has been out for a while and nobody's heard of it but you know maybe we'll turn the tide of this podcast if, if people just listen to to my half <laughs> um
0: <laughs> but what's the next film we're going to be covering well the next film on the podcast is an actual 80s movie and to celebrate our third anniversary of doing video game movies we're going to be doing our first board game movie. Yes, we're going to be doing Clue, the movie based on Clue or Cluedo.
1: As it's known in the UK.
0: I think it's known as Cluedo everywhere apart from the US where it's known as Clue. Oh. Because it's a pun on Ludo, right? Yeah,
1: um, anyway, this is sort of nitty gritty detail I can get into proper in our latest, in our next episode. But um, yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to pl- playing a board game, I suppose, as research. <laughs> 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 At least it's not Monopoly. Um, in the meantime, though, how can people keep in touch with Games and Film?
0: You can find more information about the podcast and video game movies on our website, slash podcast we're also on social media on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Games on Film Pod. Please do follow us as we share lots of latest information about the podcast and video game movie news. And there's so much going on in that realm at the moment. You can also find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Rory Steele. I'm at OnlyManWhoCan. And you can also contact us by email, GamesOnFilmpod at gmail.com. All episodes of the podcast are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Acast, Spotify, indeed, wherever you listen to podcasts. So please do like, rate, review, subscribe, and share with like-minded individuals, or not like-minded individuals, and maybe you'll change some minds in the process about how video game movies can be good. And mm. the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot.
1: Well. Wow. I'm going off now to watch Max Cloud another 200 times. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. I've been Harry.
0: I've been Rory. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.